and got screams. Suddenly, with professional help, I was helpless. The show did get better, even got renewed for another 13-week cycle. But soon the executives asked me to come to a meeting at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and they told me the show was canceled. It was a big blow. What I Learned With the biggest break of my life, I had compromised on important issues and had only myself to blame for the failure of my first national show. I should have insisted on more control. I should have done what I did on my local show. That concept is what got me to Hollywood in the first place. It took me a long time to understand that, and there was a lot of heartache along the way. But now, years later, I do my TV show the same way. Yes, there is a co-host, but we do it live. We don't even talk to each other before the show, and it's a success. Whatever your situation, whatever your job, focus on your positives. Build on them. Whatever you do, believe in yourself. If you do that, there's a better chance others will believe in you as well. Charles Grodin, CBS News commentator. There's a story I like about a boy who was 10 years old and had never spoken. His parents just assumed he was unable to. Then one day at dinner, he tasted the spinach and said, I don't like this. His parents were stunned. Bobby, they said, you can speak. How come in all these years you've never said anything? The boy said, up until now, everything's been okay. For me, everything seemed okay until I was around 14. If you measure mistakes by the length of time they cause you trouble, then my biggest mistake began then, since to this day I still pay a price for it. It started innocuously enough. When I entered high school, my dad wanted me to help out in his store where he sold supplies to cleaners, tailors, and dressmakers, things like materials, linings, zippers, buttons, and hangers. He called it the Groden Company. A friend of mine in grammar school used to needle me about my dad's company's name since dad essentially was the company. From time to time over the years, he would have someone working for him, but mostly he worked alone, with the exception of my brother Jack, who was six years older than I was. Jack always helped out in the store whenever asked. When my time came along at 14, I also was willing to help, but only to a degree, and that was the heart of the conflict. I had started kindergarten at four and Hebrew school at eight, so for as long as I could remember, I was in school during the day and spent a few days after school each week in religious training. When I got into high school, I had some other ideas for my after-school time, like athletics and dramatics. I joined the Mask and Wig Club in high school, but I wasn't really available to be in a school play because my dad wanted me to work in his store. It seemed however much I showed up to help, my dad felt it was not enough. He had to drop out of school at 13 to help support his family. You were allowed to do that in those days, so my dad's idea of work was you get up very early in the morning and work about a 12-hour day. That's what he did seven days a week his whole life. He came home earlier on Sunday sometimes, but he worked seven days a week. Not only that, but he did it even though he was always sick. He developed a rheumatic heart as a boy and was never in good health. The only time he wasn't at work was when he had what seemed to be regular stays in the hospital. Often he would come home from work and go right to bed so he'd be able to get up and go to work the next day. I have a vivid memory of him sitting at the dinner table, his head leaning on his left hand, exhausted. I never fully factored in my dad's health and the amount of time I put in at the store. I was so used to seeing him ill, I'd never seen him any other way. I never realized how serious his condition was. 
Also, while we weren't rich, I never felt the pressure of not having enough money, and I thought my dad could easily afford to hire a kid who could do what I would do for 50 cents an hour, which he often did. Still, dad felt it should be me there more often and not some other kid. This conflict had a couple of noticeable results. I was just about never given the family car to drive after I got my license at 16, and my dad eventually wanted me to put all requests for anything in writing, which I did. He would respond in writing as well, even though we lived together in a small six-room house. He just didn't want the stress of having to deal with me in person in any situation where we had differences. In spite of this, though, there was never any doubt that my dad and I loved each other very much. Later, when I was older and working at the store, more than one customer would say, Oh, you're the one who wants to be an actor. Your dad is always talking about you. In spite of our